today's special guest is Chris Dishman. How you doing today, Chris? I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's great to be on the show from Louisville. You said Louisville, so I'm I gotta correct you. Say it's Louisville, <laughs> not Louisville. <laughs> Man, you know I, I I try to get it. I try to get it right. You know. Uh, for some reason, I just I've never been able to say the name correctly of where I live right. and where I've been my whole life. For the folks that don't know, you know, you're from Louisville, did amazing things at the sales, did amazing things at Purdue. What were the challenges that you faced as an African-American student athlete? Because, you know, I know there's obviously there's still struggles for individuals that are African-American in anything in life more so than there should. That's obvious. That goes without saying. What were the struggles that you faced and the obstacles that you had to overcome as a as a young person? Person being African-American because when you were in high school and stuff, that was kind of around the time, like right after like busing. So I want to say like you might have been what in middle school when busing happened? Uh, so, well, I'm 55 years old. Um, you know, my struggles, of course, is not as hard as my parents' struggles were. My dad just passed away this September. My mom and my brothers and stuff still live in Louisville, born and raised in, from Louisville, from the West End. That's, that's my home. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. My mom now and parents now live my mom, rather, I keep saying, my mom them still live out towards Berrytown. Uh, went to DeSales High School. I had to catch two buses to get to DeSales. Caught a bus on 40th and Broadway. Rolled that bus all the way to 4th Street. Got off of 4th Street and rolled all the way up to Kenwood Drive into DeSales High School. Shows you that we had to get up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning. So it was the dedication of my mom and dad who drove us, brothers and I, uh, to go to, to DeSales. I had a sister that went to Sacred Heart and I had a sister graduated from Brown High School there in Louisville. So the difficulties for me was always sometimes uh, getting on that second bus, people moving away from you or people looking at you like you, you, you have a plague or disease, or actually some people bold enough to, to call you out your name. For me to be uh, keep on and the godly person that my mom and dad raised is but to pay attention to the people who say stuff like that and actually sit there and tell them that you what you your words can never hurt me as long as God is with me so that's what I always try to use go throw it back on well not throw it back but put God into it and continues to move forward in my life and for bigger and better things because I'm not letting no one evil take away my goodness so what was your time like at the cells like as as an athletic individual as a student athlete what was your time like it, it flew by so fast, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it flew by so fast. The sales to me was too, was a great high school for me. You know, we had some uh, great teachers there at the sales high school who cared about the students, no matter if it was black, white, brown, or, or whatever. They cared about students. Rex, Rex, Coach Rex was there, Coach Campbell, Madrick, Coach Heddick. I can go on and on. Coach Calhoun, my track coach, go on and on about Coach McBride, who was, uh, you know, so I can, I can go on and on about the, the respect that they had for us and the respect that we had had for the school and for the teachers and the great coaches that I had there. A guy who's plant, who played with me, Harold Davis, he won championships there at the sales and he's probably one of the winningest coaches there at the sales. It's crazy. Like, like people forget the talent was on the teams when you were there. We had eight guys, I think, went D1. I know Trinity had all the state championships because they had more players than us and they can recruit and do stuff like that. As far as high school-wise at the sales, the sales probably have more pro guys that went on and played from high school that went on and played pro and went on playing D1 football. Right. Willie Shelby went to the University of Louisville. Mark Collinsworth and myself went to 
Purdue. About was Doug James? Albert. Was Doug James? No, Doug James was Doug, Doug James went to Michigan. Bubba yeah. Paris also went to Michigan. So we had players at D one type of caliber guys that was just just ballers back there at at, at these cells. And it was pretty much we didn't win any state championships, but we had the players that could possibly win a state championship if the ball bounces the right way here. The incident where those uh, two students tragically lost their lives. What was it like two weeks before the actual state championship? I think it was again. Yeah. I want to say Henry Clay. And my father still to this day swerves up and down and said, had that not happened, mm-hmm. he says he sees no reason why the Sills wouldn't have won that game. That took a lot of gas out of our, our, our us as as players. We knew it was an accident, but we didn't understand why it happened. Going into practice that 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 week, we really wasn't in tune with practice. We really was like, everybody was talking about it, even though you said, okay, guys, we need to get over, we need to play, we got a game. Everybody was pretty much going through the motion. And it was a very sad, sad, sad moment because it's the first time something like that that I lost somebody like that that's my age. You know, it's very traumatic towards kids to see someone your age. You know, you don't really see nothing like that. You think of older people dying, but you never think of people your age dying. So that was a very tragic moment. But I think your dad is absolutely right. I think if, if nothing like that happened that would have been a state championship i i just i feel like that's 110 percent correct because to go through what y'all went through two weeks prior 10 days prior to that to only lose by what was it a point i mean come yeah. on now there's no doubt in my mind that the cells would have won their first state title back then but it's uh i i truly feel just you know i have to agree continuously with you and my father that because of that tragedy happening it uh derailed the momentum you know because like you said it, it completely took the gas out yeah, yeah 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 so what are your thoughts specifically on parents that choose not to allow their kids to play in more than one sport you, you get what I'm saying? Like, how important to you is it, you know, because you, you can attest to it being a multi-sport athlete. How important is it to a kid playing more than one sport? And how accurate is it that if a child does play more than one sport, it helps prepare him for the next level? Well, two things there, Corey. First and foremost, a parent has to know their own child. They got to know if your child is physically and mentally capable to handle two sports. Me personally, I think two sports athlete is probably one of the best things that can happen. Number one, it keeps you active all year round and it makes you keep your grades up because you're in a no pass, no play. You know, I, I ran track. I played basketball there at sales. And I think the multiple sports will help you as far as your mental and physical condition. I strongly believe as, and I worked at Baylor for some years, I strongly believe as a recruiter, I always wanted to see if the skill guys ran track or the offensive D-line, he would do some type of field event. For number one, it keeps them competitive year-round. And for number two, it makes them care about something else besides for one thing. I always look for the skill guys to run the 100 or 200 or the 400, four by ones and the triple jumps and the long jumps. It helps you with your speed. It helps you with your conditioning. Definitely holds true with you because, you know, like we were talking about before we started this, you had a record in track and field for like 30, 30 30-something years. Well, that was that's absolutely true. It's a, totally amazing that no one broke that record. And the day that my oldest brother, or Billy, called me and said, your record finally got broken. And, oh, it's been 10 years ago. He said, no, it's been almost 30 years since that. So right. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Someone should have broken before 30 years. But every record is meant to be broken. And I'm glad it was broken. My hat's off. I don't even know who broke the record, but my hat's off. So I want to talk about your transition from high school to college and then your transition from college to the NFL. Because a lot of people don't have the um, fortunate, such as a man yourself, to have a long tenured career career 
in the NFL, if they do have a long tenured career, they don't necessarily get the chance to be pretty successful. And you're one of those few individuals, fairly well continued success in the NFL up until your last days of playing. What was it like, the transition from high school to college, and then the transition for you from college to the NFL? Well, I always knew that going into college, I was bringing, I already I knew that I had Louisville on my back. I had the West End of Louisville on my back. I had the Sales High School on my back. And I had the Dishman family name on my back. I could not come back to Louisville and not represent the city the way it should be represented. So going off to college, you know, um, I was, like I said, I was a receiver in high school, played a little bit of defensive back there in high school. But going into that first meeting, they said, offense, stay right here. Defense, go to another room. And, of course, I was sitting down. I never moved. And have the defensive back coach come up and tap me on my shoulder and say, "Dishman, you hear me calling you defense on the other side. And I was like, no, sir, I'm, I'm an offensive guy. I'm a receiver. He said, you was a receiver. Now you're a DB. And I was like, no, I can't. If I want a receiver, I want to get the ball. I want to score touchdowns. I want to do my little right. touchdown dances and everything like that. End up switching over to DB. Sat down. This is a guy working mysterious ways. Sat down to with the guy. I'm sure the fans out there should know this guy named Rod Woodson. Played for the Steelers for a long time. He was all also a Purdue guy. He saw the agony and pain in my face of sitting there in that room. He reached over and told me, he said, man, you'd be all right. I, yeah, that's a great guy to have helped out, right? So him and I used to work out together and stuff like that. Even though I was redshirted and he started playing his freshman year, he always spent time with me of learning the position of defensive back. Coach Mims, my coach there, done a great job of laying a foundation for me as far as coaching me and getting me ready to play the position. So when I was able to play, um, he wanted me to play at a high level. Uh, getting switched from receiver to defensive back first day, it was tough. Of course, me being a parent boy, I call myself a parent boy because my mom and dad, I love them dearly. And they've been so supportive over the years. My mom still supporting me. Dad, God rest his soul, he probably answered the phone in his life and he passed away. He was 90. 96. He probably answered the phone in his life 10 times. Filling my guts out to him and tell him that, man, look, these, they switched me over. I want to transfer to Michigan. Can you call them? Can you call somebody? I want to get out of here. Lord behold, my dad was listening and just, uh-huh. Then all of a sudden, back in the day, I'm, I'm sure you guys don't know this, but back in the day, when you hung up the phone, you heard a big, bah. and that would happen. And I was like, okay, my phone hung up accidentally, called back. My mom answered wrong, been the supportive wife she is. Your daddy told me what happened. He said you'd be okay. When we get our get some money, we can send you a care package. She said, hang in there, we love you. And then from that point on, my mom and dad pretty much told me that you're not transferring. You gotta stick it out where you're at and make do of it. I had no other reasons just to make do of where I was at. You know, I couldn't transfer, I couldn't go nowhere. It was no transfer portal as it is today with these kids. So I just you stuck know, it so out. Let me let happen. me pause you real quick. That's one thing that people don't realize the luxury of what student athletes have now versus what they had back when you were playing. You didn't have that luxury. You had to stay where you were. You had to finish out the year. You had to do all kinds of stuff before you even thought about being able to go somewhere else. For you to be able to stick it out, it, 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 it's awesome because, like, a lot of people don't realize when you play a certain position your whole life and then you have to transition into something else, it's it's a lot tougher than takes than people realize. Play that, like I said, that position predominantly your whole career. As an individual right. to have the support from your parents that you had and then to have a blessing from God like Rod Woodson, who's Hall of Famer, to, to be there right. to tell you you're going to be good. I got you. Right. Like that that had to make you feel truly 
truly blessed and truly good in, in uh, your transition. Now, let, let's say, let's flash forward to when Rod leaves. So you say you redshirt your freshman year. So your second year, you're technically a freshman still because you redshirt. Right. Did you start mm-hmm. your your second year? Yes, I did. Um, because, you know, we played we played a defense, what we call, we played man-to-man most all the time. Rod, Rod eventually switched from safety back to corner. So Rod was the right corner and I was the left corner. And we pretty much played man. He had the guy who ever come on the right. I had the guy who ever played come on the left. And that helped me moving forward from those years at Purdue, moving forward to getting drafted by a team called the Houston Oilers. Coach Glanville, of course, that's all they played was bump and run man to man. That really helped me going on from playing defensive back man to man there at Purdue going into the Oilers. Now granted, it's just, it sounds easy, but it's hard. It's like cover the guy that's in front of you. Pretty much do that. Out. Different techniques you use and everything else like that. But as long as the guy in front of you don't catch the ball, and that's what I was doing, not letting the guy in front of me catch the ball. And everybody kept saying, oh man, you're pretty good at this. I'm like, well, I just don't want the guy in front of me catch the football. It's hard, you know, growing up certain ways to, to finally get there. Something you've dreamed about your whole life. Like how did that make you feel? to be able to be the person to tell your parents we're good. How'd that make you feel, Chris? Oh, a great feeling, a great feeling. But story behind uh, the draft, okay? And I'm sorry to come up with so many mama and daddy stories, but... No, nah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a mama's boy, too. There ain't nothing wrong with it. Mama, but that's how it is. Well, I always thought growing up, now, I've been from Louisville, I was, I, I wanted to be a boxer. I went to two boxing matches. You know, I was a, a, a Muhammad Ali fan. I'm wearing a shirt right now. I wanted to be a boxer. I went to two boxing matches. I was like, I don't think that's for me. I'm simply getting <laughs> getting punched in the gut, blood slide out the nose. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to then going to been around the Kentucky Derby. I'm going to be a jockey. Great grand, granddad was a jockey. Clarence Pick Dishman, he was a jockey. He was 4'11", almost 115 pounds. So I said, okay, I'm going to be a jockey. But my dad was looking at me like, you're not going to be a jockey. You, you know, I'm six one and a half. Jockeys are not six one, So I couldn't be a boxer. I couldn't be a jockey. So I said, well, let me try this sport football. Started playing football and basketball. If I couldn't be a boxer, be a jockey. So You what? You wanted to be a jockey? Any person that hears that, especially for the first time, they're going to be like, what? Well, the Legends Hall of Fame down there, and uh, Shoemaker was there, and I got a picture with him. I think I still have that picture, and, I, and it's just I always go back and look at how the height difference that he is, that I am to him, and that was one of my uh, childhood heroes was to see him race and win the derbies and Preakness and the Belmont. And I was like, oh, I want to be on that horse. I want to be that one day. And, but just in just seeing some of my granddad old matches and knowing that I just outgrew my really love was to be a jockey and I just outgrew it. To tell my mom and dad I uh, made it, and here's another mom and daddy story, okay? Well, I was at Purdue. I got to call. I had this huge draft party. Now, you know, probably a huge draft party. It was my mom, my dad, and I. You see how huge this party was? It was a party of three. <laughs> We're sitting, my mom and I, my dad went back into my room in my apartment at Purdue, and he fell asleep. My mom and I was eating chips and watching the Andy Griffin stories, okay? this, this We're partying central right here, me and my mom. We're just And uh, got a phone call from Mike Hollaback, the general manager at the time, got a rest, rest in peace. He says, is this Chris Dishman? I said, yes, there it is. He said, well, we got a pick coming up in the fifth round, and uh, we're the Houston Oilers. You know where Houston's at. And I said, yes, I do. I said, but I don't really like Houston. He said, why? I said, well, George Foreman's from Houston, and I'm not really fond of George Foreman because he was from Houston. He's fighting Ali. And- <laughs> so 
I told him, I said, but I do know I've heard of Houston and I know what Houston's at. He said, hold on. And he gave me to the phone to Nick Saban. I talked to Coach Saban. He came to be ready, come in here with an attitude, come in here prepared, talk to him. He said, we're going to get you in the fifth round. Hung up from Coach Saban and Coach Hollaback. They drafted me. They called me back and gave me all my spiel of here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to go. And I wasn't flown to New York for the draft party or nothing like that. I was a fifth round, 125th pick. They called me on the phone, said, okay, we're going to send you a flight in, in two more days. Here's what we need you to bring, stuff like that. So got that call, told my mom, called back to my dad, woke him up, 